Hi friends, it's your host Krista Janine and we are back for season two of Trauma and Triumph. We have an entire new group of women who have used their traumatic experiences to find triumph in their life. Today's guest is Paige Karlovsky. She shares about how her love for dance brought her out to Los Angeles, California, but how her passion for teaching has completely changed the trajectory of her life. We are going to jump right on in. So, Paige, what is one trauma-centered event you've experienced that strikes you as one of the most pivotal moments in your life? Okay, so this is such a big question for me because when I was like kind of brainstorming all these questions, I I had so many things pop up for me. And there's like one big glaring moment in my life when I was like, I want to say 21. Um, I was really, really depressed and suicidal and eventually did attempt suicide but like thinking about that I didn't want to make it about that and I don't think that was the most pivotal moment in my life that was definitely my lowest point but it was everything that had to lead up to that to get me to that point that I think was the most pivotal um so I moved to Los Angeles to um pursue professional dance and I went to college I graduated and Once I graduated and I was thrown into the industry, I recognized right away it was not for me. Like everything about Mm -hmm. it, having to do your passion to make money, the hustle, you know, like for pennies and just the people that I was around, everything about it was not for me. Um, But I spent like a good three years, like forcing myself, like square peg in a round hole, like trying to make it fit because I told everybody it fit, right? Like I went to college for it. Like, that's why I moved to LA. All my friends were dancers. And I ended up being in this severely depressed state where I started to like isolate myself from my friends at the time that were in the dance industry. I didn't want to dance. I wasn't happy with what I was doing in any capacity. And it led me to that really depressed state. Um, It was like, It was kind of funky time period because I knew I wasn't happy, but I didn't know what to do about it. I was like 19, I think at the time, like I come from a place where therapy isn't highly talked about. I I didn't know quite like the tools that were available to me. I just thought like, I don't know, I'm just going through a period and and it it will pass on its own is kind of like what I thought. Um, And I, I started doing yoga around this time. It definitely made an impact, but I I think I was so far down this rabbit hole that it wasn't like, you know, my saving grace yet. Um, I just was like doing yoga and it wasn't until um, I got to that lowest point that I was like, okay, no, I I need to figure out the tools on how to get out of it because clearly just like kind of brushing it aside and being like, everyone, everyone gets sad. Like this is normal. And, and thinking I could fix this myself. I don't need help. It's, It's just a period in my life. And, and, I'll get out of this. Like that wasn't working. So I was like, okay, now real talk. How do I come out of this? How do I fix that? And I think that is what was the most pivotal point for me. And do you think that the reason why it was so hard for you to like remove yourself from the dance world is because it was such a big part of who you were like as a person? Oh, absolutely. And I think too, like, and that's why especially in thinking about this podcast and like what I wanted to tell people, like it was my identity. I, I was telling my friend, like I was pirouette page on Instagram. Like everyone knew me as the girl who danced and I spent my like whole childhood, every single moment that I wasn't busy with work or school, I was dancing. I made it my career or like tried to make it my career. And I felt so ashamed to admit to myself, let alone admit to everybody else that, wait, no, like, I actually don't want to do this for my profession, which is so crazy because how would I have known that if I didn't try? And I think that we expect people, especially people that move out to LA, like, you don't know what the industry is like at all. You're just hoping that it works out or you're hoping that you'll fit into it. But there's such shame around like if you don't and people are like oh well you failed you you didn't make it as an actress you didn't like you make it in LA but that's not the reality you didn't fail if it's not for you it's not for you and you shouldn't have to force yourself to live in this negative headspace or live in this world that you don't like 
just because you identify you did identify with it at one point just because you don't identify with the job or the industry doesn't mean that you should stick it out right no yeah it's so funny i just saw a clip i think it was an older clip actually of asap asap rocky saying kind of just that it's like when did trying become like a bad thing like when did we start like shaming people for trying things yeah like if it doesn't work okay whatever but like at least you tried and you know you're not like still wondering and I think there's so much like you said shame associated with like failure and I was having this conversation with somebody recently too where it's like we put so there's such a negative connotation around this idea of failure and what failure looks like and a lot of it is like projected onto us from like our family of origin or like how we grew up or even, you know, in your case, like in the industry, right? Because dance is very competitive, especially if you started when you were young, it's like, you don't fail, you need to be perfect, like all these things that are just unrealistic to life, right? So it's interesting to me that you were like, I felt ashamed, because I'm like, it happens, right? It's like, there's so many people that had their entire lives planned out and then they get to a point and they're like no this isn't the life I want right and I've been there I mean yeah so I think just knowing that there's so many people out there who have kind of navigated a space of like trying and then like pivoting what do you think was that moment for you where you really were like okay I got to remove myself from the dance world completely and start fresh, essentially. Yeah, it is actually so interesting. So I also like, I don't want to shame the whole dance industry because I know a lot of dancers out there right. are amazing people. The people that I was around, I, I don't think were mature enough to show up as their best self in the space yet in their lives. I hope that they're doing well now, but I wasn't around very supportive friends. And I, I started taking yoga. Um, I was still like saying I was a dancer, not going to any auditions or anything, but like still associating with that as like my being, but I I started doing yoga. I was like, I really want to teach this. I think I would be really good at it. This is like movement, which I've known my whole life, but it's movement from a place of love and compassion, which is so new to me, but I love it. I was like, I want to share this with people. And I did yoga teacher training I started teaching yoga and I remember I heard a group of friends talking about me saying, you know, yoga teachers are just dancers that couldn't make it. Yoga teachers are dancers who, who failed. And I was, there was like a day, 24 hour period where I was so embarrassed. I like, I was like, yeah, they're right. You know, I, I couldn't make it as a dancer. I didn't have what it takes. So now I teach yoga. And after that 24 hour period was over, something kind of switched where I was like, this is not the industry for me. I am, I am cutting ties with that dancer self. This is who I feel like I need to be in the moment is Paige, the yoga teacher. I'm good at what I do. I love what I do. I love the friends I've made in this industry. And now mm-hmm. it's time to, to pivot. I, I don't need to keep ties with this past self that's really not fitting with me anymore it was it was that moment that I was like yeah it's time yeah and I think it's very interesting (laughs) because so LA has been an interesting space for me too I've been in LA since 2017 so a while um and it is especially working in the entertainment industry which I've since shifted from slightly (laughs) I've shifted into new yeah I've shifted into like different aspects of it because to your point it's a different type of mindset that if you are an authentic person it's very hard for you to thrive in that space unless you have people outside of that space that like Mm -hmm. you said are supportive are there to help you you know when auditions don't go right or when things are just hard because they're going to be hard it's just the industry like if you don't have that it's such a hard hard industry to like make it in and it's even I mean it's hard even if you do have that but it's more hard you know it's harder rather um if you don't so during that process of like realizing I need to completely disassociate from that world what were you going through on a spiritual and like emotional like what did that journey look like for you So that was around the time when 
I, I still was like severely depressed. I, I remember like I wasn't dancing. I was sleeping any moment that I wasn't taking or teaching yoga. L- literally, I don't like looking back on this period of my life. Like I just remember sleeping <laughs> like all the time, which clearly is this huge sign of depression. And um, I, I was figuring out like, okay, obviously the, the shame you can't, well, maybe you can, if you have more tools, I didn't, you can't just like cut it. And I don't feel that anymore. So I still felt that and wanted, and I remember not really sharing much about my yoga journey. Cause I, I taught for a little while and then I got a management position, which typically, you know, you want to be like, I, I'm a manager at a yoga studio. And I was not that way at all. I, I was very like private with everything that I was doing just because I still felt that shame. And I, I, again, kind of isolated myself. I was making really good yoga friends, you being one of them, (laughs) Um, but I, and I, and I had all these beautiful connections. I remember like when I was with that, I felt so good. And then when I was alone, those thoughts would come back in, but I isolated myself because I didn't know what else to do. And I thought, you know, people saw me as the page who was depressed, was down. They would think like, I don't want to really want to be around her. She's such a downer to be around is what, is what I assumed. Um, and eventually, uh, on like, I had a span of like three days off from teaching yoga. I went into a big spiral, um, attempted suicide failed, thank God, which is when I was listening to Charlotte's, I was, I was like, I resonate with that so much. And it's so interesting, like looking back, talking on it now, because I, I don't feel that way literally at all anymore. Like I, I love this life. I think we're all meant to be here, but at the time, you know, it's just so different. My thoughts were so different. And I, I was put on a 72 hour hold. And when, when you do that, they take your phone and it wasn't until I got out and I got my phone back, I turned it on. There were probably over a hundred like missed calls, missed texts from all my yoga friends who just noticed I was MIA for a couple of days when I thought like, Oh, that nobody will probably know. You know what I mean? Like nobody cares right now. Like I'm very alone in this world. And, um, and it was, it was a crazy kind of emotional experience. And then also spiritual in the sense that like, I, I practiced yoga. I had this strong connection with it, but still those thoughts were getting the better of me. Mm -hmm. And then coming out of it, I was like, how, okay everything truly does happen for a reason. This happened for a reason. This is showing me something in my life right now. I I need to go inward and actually do the work, not sleep, not distract myself or isolate myself, but how can I do work on myself to be happy in this skin and in this life? That was the, that was the process of the time of the, of the switch. Yeah, no. And I think it's it's so similar to you. Um, not necessarily to, sh- I mean, me and Charlie have a lot in common as well. Yes. But I think <laughs> when, cause I was put on a 72 hole twice, a 72 hour hole twice. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember the first time being like, this sucks. Everybody sucks. I hate everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, everything is horrible. Um, yeah. But the second time and the first time I was in therapy and my therapist was like you are not safe to be by yourself so she put me on a 72 hour hold second time I wasn't in therapy and it was like the weekend of my 23rd birthday my friends were being very annoying and it was one of those situations where I legitimately was like I just don't want to be on this planet anymore in like a real way um and it's interesting though because the guy I was dating at the time too was a complete idiot and like didn't do anything for my birthday so I was just like nobody cares anyway it's fine like I don't even want to be here um but it took me almost another year after that 72 hour hold and I was in therapy and I was talking to the people and doing all that stuff to really be like okay, maybe there is a reason why I'm here, right? And maybe I am supposed to be figuring things out because I just remember being so angry that I even had to like do therapy. And I remember being angry that like I didn't have control of like my life and the situation that I was in. And I also remember, and I mean, this is probably some of you working so hard for something that I didn't get and feeling like, so what's next? Like, where do I- where do I go from here? And like, what's the point? 
And I mean, you know, cause it's like dedicated years and time and money to, you know, for me, it was like film and like TV and production. But then I also like wanted to go to the Peace Corps. And like, so I had done a lot of volunteering things throughout my life. So it was just like everything I had worked for, nothing was working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, what, why are we here? But luckily I, feel you. I, f- I found yoga. Right. And that's what I tell people. I was like, you know, I stumbled into yoga. I really did. I was doing yoga before that 72 hour hole, but I really got deep into yoga. Probably that was when I was 23. So like 24, um, and did t- mm-hmm. teacher training. And for me, it really took me on that spiritual journey of figuring out like what was going on inside of me. Um, And I did though isolate still after that because I didn't feel safe in spaces like with people because I just didn't trust myself. Did you go through a period of like trying to figure out how to trust yourself again and figure out how to navigate relationships and decide what you wanted to do in the world? Um, No, everything that you were saying is what I exactly felt. Like I was so angry that I was put on a 72 hour hold. I was angry the whole time I was there. I was basically like, I wanted to get out of there so bad. Um, I felt so anxious. I was like shaking the whole time. I remember being like sweaty and cold. And I was like, I don't understand how this is helping me when I just felt really low to put me in this place where I'm scared now. So I was really angry. And I remember basically like faking it. Like you have to go to the therapy sessions and they have to mm-hmm. clear you leave to, and I remember putting on my biggest fake smile and being like, no, I'm safe and feeling on the end. I knew I was lying and I, and I'm pretty sure the therapist did too, but thankfully my mom flew out and she was like, I trust you to be with your mother so you can leave. And I was like, okay. So I was with my mom for a little bit, but then after that, like I, I was still at the same level of sad, anxious, depressed that I was, but now I felt like I had to fake it. Um, because I was scared of what could happen if, you know, somebody found me again or whatever could happen. So I remember like I was going to therapy. I didn't feel like I was getting better and I, and I still was really sad, but I remember something that my therapist said that like stuck with me to this day, because this was a, a couple of years back. And I tell this to other people too, that kind of feels similar that like feelings get so overwhelming. And we were like, expecting to feel different day to day if we're getting better it's going to feel different but she she said to like think about a color I don't like which at the time I don't hate it anymore but I hated pink and black was like my favorite color but I hated pink so I was like pink and she was like okay imagine like you have this wall filled with pink post-it notes and it's like so overwhelming all you see is like this color that you hate it's pink and one by one, when you do work, when you go to therapy, when you decide to take a yoga class for yourself, when you decide to do a little meditation, when you journal, you're removing one post-it note and putting a black post-it note because that was my favorite color. And like Mm. the wall is still pink. You still hate it. It's still something that like is very overwhelming to look at, but one by one, you're replacing these post-it notes. And before you know it, you're going to, you're going to take a step back and and you're like, whoa, this is, this is actually different. And that's what it felt like, even in the sense that at the beginning, I like was faking it and didn't, didn't want to do the work. You know, she would give me like certain exercises to do when weeks would go by and I wouldn't do them. Um, but then one day I would, I would do one. And then the next week I would maybe do it twice. Um, and little by little, it, it did start to make a shift. Um, when I really like at the time, like you said, like it was hard to trust people. I didn't trust myself. I wasn't having fun (laughs) being Paige on this planet. It just wasn't a fun time. And I think you expect like, well, once you're better, which will be maybe in a couple of days, maybe a couple of sessions of therapy, you know, it'll be easy. It'll be easy to trust. And I'll I'll, I'll be Paige again, but that's just not how it is. And I would agree with you too. It probably wasn't like a year after, it wasn't until a year after um, my lowest point that I even remotely started to feel more like myself and better. Um, And it was like such a struggle to do that work. And sometimes I would go to therapy and cry so hard and then nothing felt like it was resolved. And I would sit in my car and I'm like, I just cried for an hour and I feel like shit right now. I don't even feel like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Um, But you don't realize because you're so close to it, like the building blocks that you're creating for yourself to eventually start that healing process and eventually 
you know, change your mindset on certain things. Yeah. No, it's so interesting too. Cause a lot of stuff you said really resonates with me. And I don't think, I don't think people speak to this a lot. And I mean, this also goes into like how our medical industry is set up in America, but high functioning depressive people know how to get out of situations right and for me my similar my situation in you know during my 72 hour hole was very similar I'm going to tell you what you need to hear so I can go home so you will leave me alone so I don't have to be here anymore right and then I'm going to make sure that I say all the right things so I don't end up back here afterwards but that's not actually helpful like that's just yeah it's a fear it's a fear tactic yeah that they use but it's like the moment you remove somebody who is very high functioning very driven very ambitious, and you take all of their control away from them it's not it's not going to be helpful to them right and I remember having a psychiatrist say that to me when she's like you know how to make people like you know how to say the right things to make people think you're okay but you're not okay and until you decide that you want to be okay you're not going to be okay right yeah And I think for me, I share that a lot because I feel like one, I think therapists need to hear that, that the tools you guys are using are not always helpful with everybody because everybody does not manage life in the same way. But also for people in those situations, it's like, it is scary and you want to protect yourself, right? So it's not wrong for wanting to protect yourself, but then it's like, once you get out of that situation, then you have to figure out how to actually protect yourself, right? Because it's one thing to get yourself out of an unsafe situation, but then it's like, but how can I actually like be a happy whole human being again? And I guess for me, my question is like, what did that look like for you when you were that happy, healthy human being that you had been working toward? Like, how did you kind of journey down that path and, and enter into that space? I think one big thing was um relying on friends again like I I totally agree with you what you said like being a high functioning person with severe depression is kind of a scary thing like you your mind is going somewhere completely different every single day and everyone around you thinks that you're totally fine and because you're really good at it it's it is a scary thing and I think like letting my walls down and kind of letting my friends in because I mean, you also too, I think I'm not alone in that I felt like I didn't want to burden this. This is huge. I don't want to burden my friends with this. They don't need this in their life. They're also busy. They're also, you know, working towards their goals and dreams. Um, I don't need, I don't need to share this with them, but it's not even that I'm expecting them to, you know, say the right things or give me advice, but to have people to truly listen to you and just show that they're there for you and they care for you. I think that's huge. And then also I think taking time, not being in an intimate romantic relationship. Um, at the time when I was really getting cheated on, so that was great and not helpful by any means, but that was, I wanted, I needed that extradition. And because all of a sudden I wasn't getting that again, my brain is going down this big spiral. And I think that I really needed to be alone, but that thought was so scary to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so another big thing was deciding to not be in romantic relationships. Um, cause at the time too, where I was really depressed and down also me and my relationship were going through a lot and, we were going through a breakup. We were together, but he was also seeing other people. So it was, it was not healthy in that aspect as well. And I wanted so badly to feel that love and that validation and get my happiness from another person that it wasn't until I was like totally okay being alone that I felt like I felt myself like really shine and really thrive and um, really like allow myself to sit with myself be single not in a romantic relationship and then also like start to lean on and rely more on friends that I was like okay this is what a healthy relationship with myself feels like I'm in a relationship now and it's it's completely different I feel like I've learned two goals but but at the time that was not for me and I needed I needed to be social with people who love me for me and aren't expecting something romantic out of me I think 
Yeah. And was there a point for you? Cause I completely agree with that. Was there a point for you where you were like, but do I want to date again? Like when you were like so comfortable with yourself and like at peace, we're like, huh, do I want to do this again? <laughs> that is what is so challenging because of course, when, when I finally am like, oh yes, bad bitch, like single, I'm so happy. That's when like, it attracts so many other people. So like I was going on like very casual dates, but I didn't want anything like that. I was like, I am finding this self-love within me. I want to keep that growing. I do not want to like have that, you know, dampened by a relationship or lose focus on what I'm building here. But of course, like when you are shining, that's when people are attracted to you. So it was, it was hard. And I remember like with the guy that I ended up dating, closer in that period of time like he tried to kiss me so many times and I just would swerve I was like <laughs> no you're like, like not this is not what I, yeah I was like this is not what I need right now but of course there's like also something in like the male female chase or just relationship chase that people just love for some reason but so of course you know that happened but I remember yeah I'm so there with you I was like no like I love myself I I want to be in my own home all the time. I don't want to be worrying about you, what you're doing. Like I'm worrying about me right now and I am good worrying about me. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's funny. That's so funny. Cause I always have to ask people, cause I, <laughs> I go through phases. Like, I'll try it. And I'm like, yeah, I, actually, I like being by myself. No, and then I'm like, no. okay, I'll try it. Um, that's so funny. So then what do you feel like you gained most from your experience of kind of just the evolution of yourself? Like what's been the biggest like growth point for you? God, that's such a tricky one. It's so big. Um, I think, so I always, my whole life, middle school, high school, like even from very young, I really loved the phrase, everything happens for a reason. And I think sometimes that phrase can be offensive. Like if someone, you know, just lost a family member, someone's going through a hard time and, and people would tell me when I was really depressed, you know, everything happens for a reason. And that's when I started to hate that phrase. I used to believe in it. I was like, there is no way that right now me feeling like I don't want to be here is happening for a reason. And coming out of that and where I am now in my life, I truly do believe that phrase. And I think that has been like my, it's like coming back home to like, it can suck so bad. And saying that everything happens for a reason doesn't mean that that is a super shitty thing that it had to happen to you or did happen to you or, you know, it can be hard to find like, the why behind why it's happening. But I really, I really do think as like a soul put in this human body on earth, certain things do happen to us for a reason because our souls need to heal from those experiences. And my soul was not, not healed from that experience. And not even to say like, I am fully healed now. And, you know, if I go through a dark patch, like not to say that, but, um, but at that time, that's something that I did have to go through, which is unfortunate, but I'm here and I made it out on the other side. So, yeah. Um, no. And I, it's so funny. Cause I too believe everything happens for a reason, but I, I am careful when I say it, right. Mm -hmm. Like I, there are certain people that I know it's not going to land with mm -hmm. them. So I'm more cognizant of how I use the phrase. Cause I do, I feel like everything happens for a reason, the good and the bad, um, for better or for worse, you know, and, and I've seen it throughout my life. Like, work yeah. out you know but to your point though I think as a society we like to throw around phrases mm -hmm. <laughs> and unless you're in a space spiritually and mentally and emotionally to really absorb certain things it's not gonna land and it's just it, to your point it's just gonna be offensive um but yeah. I feel the same I feel like all of the ups and downs that I had to go through throughout life definitely got me to the space where I am now where it takes a lot to like shake me you know yeah. what I mean yeah, and and it's necessary for where I am today right like all the things that happened prior to this moment are necessary for me to be successful in the way I am today but had I not had those experiences I wouldn't be able to navigate the things that I navigate now right yeah, absolutely I 100% agree with you on that yeah um so final few questions 
Um, so how do you feel like friends and family members can be supportive and helpful with people going through like big life shifts, right? Or career shifts or just like I identity paradigm shifts. Like, you know, yeah. I mean? like what can they do to be supportive in that space? Yeah, I as I've kind of talked about this whole time, like I mean, living so far away from family, because my family all lives in the Midwest and I moved out here when I was 18. Friends were huge for me. And even, you know, as flaky as Los Angeles can be and people cancel on you last minute, you know, that's fine. I do it too. I get it. But the friends that continued to reach out to me when I purposefully was trying to push people away, like that's huge. And it's not even to be like, be naggy to your friends, but like, send that text message. Just like, Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I love you. Um, you know, whenever you're free, let's meet up like no, no pressure at all. And then, um, same with family too. Obviously family, like, is it a little bit different of relationship because you don't get to choose your family. So sometimes I know that that can be harder for people, but if you are a family member of somebody kind of going through something like that, like be supportive in a way that's like, I love you for you. And like, whatever you're going through, like, I'll be here for you the whole time. Um, Like, you know, my instance, I remember when I first told my mom, like years before it got bad that I thought I had depression. Granted, like not to say that she handled it the wrong way, but I remember she cried. And so I, I felt guilty. Like I felt bad and I never brought it up again after that because I was like, oh, like that, why did that make you upset? you know, and of course, like that was her reaction. But at the time, to me, that was not the reaction that I I was expecting or that I needed when I opened up and shared that. And I think just to just to accept people as they are and then work from that space, not try to like, you know, make it about you. And, And I think that can be so hard because that's how we relate to people. That's how we give advice. You know, we look at our own lives, but like to really try to like, right now you just need somebody to listen not me to you know say any advice not me to you know make it like oh well when i was like right now i am here for you like tell me what tell me what's going on and i think that that is <coughs> oh sorry you're good <laughs> but i think that's something that like i've noticed in general also just teaching young stuff it's it's just natural but it's some something people have a really hard time with not making it about themselves which you know, um, to your point, I think society makes us think that the world revolves around us. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to shift that paradigm too, right? Yeah. From the outside looking in, especially as parents, especially as mothers. Um, a lot of times, cause this is experience I had with my mom, she was just so upset. Right. And I'm like, girl, (laughs) why are you so angry? Like, but she was angry because, I guess in her mind, she failed me as a mother because I was depressed and suicidal and like whatever. And that's how she expressed, you know, her, her feelings in that moment. But for me, I was like, this ain't got nothing to do with you. And like, as much as I said that to her, like she didn't get it, but it's also because like, and again, society teaches mothers, like you are responsible for how your kids end up. Right. And I mean, that's true to a certain extent, but like, your children live their lives and life happens. Um, And as parents too, you have to learn how to detach yourself from your child at some point and be like, they're a human being and this is their lived experience. So I think that's great advice because yeah, yeah, people definitely love to make it about them. And you're like, honey, and there's a a place for that. Like, right right now in like dialogue and conversation, I'm not opening up something like huge to you, but like, yeah, I, I remember too, like when everything was happening, my mom was on the phone with me and talking about like mothers, just it's, it's a different relationship, but she was like, you know, I never should have let you move to LA, which was like the first time I ever even like, she's always been supportive of me. She like, I told her I want to move to LA. She was like, let's go like so amazingly supportive. And then that was the first time I ever heard her be like, I should have never let you do that. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, wait a second. And then also yeah. too, like, I like now I love living here. Like I, I could not imagine being anywhere else. There are things that I have learned here that I've gone through that I would not trade that experience for the world. And it's, it's just funny because making it like, like I, I, I sent you off and now you're depressed, but like that would have happened in a different way in a, yeah. in a 
different life, parallel life that I lived. Like that would have happened, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, 1000%. And I think, cause like for me, I've lived in multiple places mm-hmm. and if you're depressed, depressed and not dealing with your shit, it's, you're still going to be depressed. It doesn't matter where you live. Right. It doesn't matter where you live. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't. <laughs> You might have a little more money if you don't live in LA, but you're still right. <laughs> you're still gonna be sad. So <laughs> that's hilarious. But but no, I mean to that point though, I think it is very like telling for people to for people to think that all struggles are bad. Like sometimes it has to like rain. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like sometimes it has the storm. Sometimes things have to be like washed away and rebuilt. Like this is just a natural evolution of life, you know? So I love conversations like this because I think they're important for people to know that like, even though bad things are happening and things that you wouldn't have chosen to happen are happening, you can still make something great on the other side of that. So I think that's very, very beautiful to share in this space and then last question before we kind of dive into the lightning round is how do you feel as though you found your triumph after your trauma um I feel like you know as much as we all want to say like we don't care about what other people think and things like that like we live in a world where we very much do like we are social beings and that like social approval, it does fuel a lot of the decisions that we make, but I feel like I've gotten to this like place in my life where I have control over my decisions in the sense that I don't do anything that I don't want to do. I'm not going to make any decisions for, you know, the external look of it. And even like to your point that you just made of sometimes things have to kind of wash out and, like switching from careers to dance to yoga. And now I'm switching careers from yoga to teacher. And I don't think I would have felt confident in going back to school because again, I have like, there's, there's shame that talks that says like, you know, like you should have done this right after high school. Like you're older going back to college. Like you're in a classroom with younger. There's that shame that talks to me, but I'm like, no, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, And this is what I'm going to to do and this is what I know I'm supposed to do and I wouldn't have that confidence not nearly if I didn't go through that first really hard shift and I think like so many people get in a job a relationship a home a living situation that it's just comfort it's comfort it's you know it's scary to do something different so they don't do it and then you end up like wasting these years not being the fullest happiest brightest version of you and I am like I will not allow myself. If I'm not happy with something, I got to change it. How can I realistically shift and pivot so I can, I can be that happiest, most vibrant version of myself. And that's like the biggest thing that I've learned from that whole situation. Yeah. And how do you feel like you've shifted in like trusting your intuition more? Um, (laughs) Immensely. I think like there were times obviously like when dance didn't feel right and I you know I just didn't didn't want to believe it didn't want to listen to it and um now I think that we are all extremely intuitive beings and sometimes the less we listen to it we can kind of stifle that natural feeling that we get um and I and I feel now like way more in tune with it um you know, it, it definitely, if, if I don't feel comfortable doing something, like I kind of said it earlier, like I don't have to do it. And that could be as simple as like, I am at a dinner and I don't feel comfortable in the space. I can get up and leave. Like, no, nothing is going to, you know what I mean? Like this social norm of like, no, you have to sit like, no, I don't have to. Um, right. And I'm going to, and I'm going to listen to what's safe, what's going to keep me safe and keep me keep my body happy and my soul happy. I completely agree. And I think it's so interesting because um, me and my therapist are kind of like working on that now because I very much so trust my intuition in all aspects of my life, except for dating. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I'm like, anyway, but it's very interesting because when you, when you haven't listened to your intuition for so long, it's hard to know, right? 
when it's right and when it's wrong and like that journey of finding it again is definitely a journey and then one day you wake up and you're like you hear the voice so clearly and you know that this is what you should be doing one way or the other um okay actual final question this time before we get into the lightning round what is some advice you would give somebody who specifically and I will say this let's make this very specific to like transitioning out of the dance industry into anything else right this transitioning out it's not for me I tried in LA what advice would you give them on that journey to finding what was next yeah um I would say definitely like dabble in things that make you happy because that is where like if if dance made you happy at one point but dancing for your career doesn't which is completely normal because turning your art, your passion into a job is a whole other situation when you have to do your passion to pay the bills. Um, dabble in other, and that's another thing too, because as dancers, like like I said, I, when I was not in school, I was dancing. And so it's hard for dancers to have other passions, um, but like any other thing that potentially makes you happy, like dabble into that thing even more and see what careers could come out of it. And then also to going back to like, friends um anyone who's truly supportive of you like keep them close and and I would say especially because like any entertainment industry like a lot of people that you know and your acquaintances with when you run into them if they're the type of person that's like so what like have you booked any jobs lately what agency are you with and those those kind of things that's always so like competitive one up like you can x nay it like the people that are truly like how are you as a human being what's going on with you like keep those people around um because those are the people when you do transition when you say like hey I love dogs I want to start my own dog rescue they're gonna be like holy shit that's amazing not like well how like so are you gonna go to next week's audition now like it's like it doesn't need to I mean like keep people around you who truly are going to support you as just a human not you as dancer performer entertainer whatever yeah no I agree with that 1000% because it's it is tricky and it's hard because you know you are trying to achieve something but you can get like a little lost in the sauce sometimes yeah definitely for sure okay so lightning round as quickly as you can okay quick I always say these are quick they're never quick but it's okay (laughs) (laughs) what um what's one thing you're most proud to have achieved in your life I am very proud that at 18 I moved out of my parents home to New York for a year and then to LA for now the rest of my life um because I look back on that and I'm like damn I mean when I was 18 at the time I was like get me out of here. You know, like I was like, let's go. But now looking back, I'm like, I was a baby child and like going from small town with 3000 people to these huge cities and like surviving. I'm like, wow. Like I am so proud of past page for that. Cause that is like, that is a feat. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. Okay. So what's your number one goal for this year? <clears throat> Uh, so like I said, I'm, I'm going back to school now, um, to teach education. I've loved teaching yoga so much. I want to, I want to get in a more classroom like setting and I hopefully I'll find out soon. We'll start my teacher credential program in the fall and get to do student teaching and all all that fun stuff. So I can, so I can teach. That's exciting. So then (laughs) taking that a step further, where do you see yourself in five years? So the goal with teaching is um, I want to teach at the college level, which you need like PhD to do. So I'm hoping the next five years I'm able to attain that big goal, but I'm like, I'm so ready and like so excited for this part of my life to like sit back in the seat of a student and like start this new career path that I'm kind of venturing on. Um, Maybe married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. <I'm> like, <laughs> oh God, if my boyfriend listens to this, he'd be like, God, shut up. Um, <laughs> no, I always say like, um, we, we've been dating now for like over two years and like, he's just like, so my person like talk about intuition. Cause I 
before I met him, we were like in the DMs and I was like, not, not vibing with it. And then I met him and my intuition was like, this is your person. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like so loud. It was like undeniable. So, um, still with him, whether married or not, but, um, and then I'm like, I mean, I'm sure as you know, I'm like so into dog rescue. Um, and I have two of my own and I want to get a house so I can get a third. I really want a third dog, but I need a house. Our apartment is like too, yeah. it's too small for that. No, you sound like Chris now. He wants two more dogs. I'm like, you got to wait till we <laughs> get a little more space. I just need a backyard. Cause as soon as like, like I walk my two dogs and they're fine, they have a good rhythm going. But as soon as you leash up that third dog and you want to walk, it is it is yeah. mayhem and I'm like I am not done to do that every day so I yeah. know that hard for sure okay so what first impression do you want others to have when they meet you I I always want people to feel so safe around me I used to say like I I never ever want people to feel like humiliated. I think that's one of like the worst like human feelings that we get or like ashamed or embarrassed. I, I never want anyone to feel that way when they're in my presence. Um, so just like, I, I really hope when people meet me, they feel like this like safe, warm space when they're around me, whatever that means to be like, just totally authentically themselves as they are in that moment. Yeah, I love that. And then what is one quote you live by and why? Um, quote, uh, I actually have a quote on my arm, so I'll use that. Uh, it says, the unfed mind devours itself. I got it when I was like depressed because I was like, this is edgy. But <laughs> I, I will say, I was like, it says devour. There's a V, I like it. Um, no, but I will say like, I... I mean, wanting to be a teacher, I am like such a advocate for education and always keeping your mind learning, growing, just always being a student. And um, I do think like the second that you kind of sit with yourself too long with the knowledge you have, your, your mind is kind of like, because that's what I felt when I was in that darkest moment is like, I wasn't, wasn't trying to learn anything new. I wasn't trying to create new tools. And I just felt like my mind like collapsing in on itself. And I think the more that we, we reach, we learn more about other people. We learn about, you know, what other people are doing in the world and like what tools they've kind of developed for themselves. I think like the more we kind of expand our own consciousness almost. Yeah, no, for sure. <clears throat> and sorry Jesus I don't know what is in my throat <laughs> but no I completely agree with that and I I also am an advocate for like constantly learning and trying new things and new experiences um because to your point that's the only way that one we keep our mind sharp but also how we learn to relate to other people yeah. it's so it's so much easier to relate to somebody else if you have something to pull from from their experience um yeah definitely. so I love that. I love it all. I love it all. I love it all. So before we kind of like close out, do you have anything you want to share with people? Any upcoming events you're doing? Any yoga you're teaching? Yeah, I, I still and probably will forever teach yoga, just maybe not as much as I have in the past, but I teach at Space Movement Collective in Hollywood. I teach at Black Dog Yoga in Studio City and I teach at White Heat Yoga in North Hollywood. So you can always find me at those places for now. Um, I have pre-recorded yoga classes on my Instagram, which is Paige Carl and then OH. So it's like Paige Carlo. Um, and then, like I said, I'm really into dog rescue. I work for a foundation called Hit Living Foundation. So if you ever wanna foster or better yet adopt, hit me up through there. I like love to help people find their forever dog. So yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I know it's always like weird when people are like, Hey, so the trauma you experienced, let's talk about it. I know we're like laughing through it. Right. (laughs) Who knew? Same trauma great um but no I definitely do appreciate it and these conversations are just so important for like several reasons but I feel like the more we talk about these things the more people can actually heal and like find their purpose in life and move forward accordingly so I am very grateful that you came and joined us yeah and know that like 
people listening and everything like that it's normal because that was like I felt like so alone in that time so this is another reason why I love that you do this and wanted to sit down and talk with you because I feel like the more we are able to just like talk about it in a super like normal sense and not make it like extremely dramatic is like someone could be like oh I feel those things too and it's normal and I I can actually come out of it you know yeah Yeah. this is like something that a lot of people have felt before yeah and that you can find joy again I think that's the biggest thing for me is like I think some people you get so caught up in your trauma and your depression that you don't think that joy is possible in your life Mm -hmm. and it is there is another there's another side to it if you choose to kind of navigate through it and not avoid it to your point earlier and not pretend like everything's fine and everything's okay when or it's not better on its own because sometimes right. like, that's another thing maybe that I wanted to say too like I um ever since my 72 hour hold I've been on Lexapro and I used to think there was such a bad stigma around taking um, antidepressants or medication. Like I thought that meant like there was something just so wrong with me, but like the reality is my brain on its own for some reason just doesn't produce enough serotonin and that's fine. I need a little help there. And now that I have it, I feel way more balanced in every way in my mind. And so like there, there just doesn't have to be like such a stigma around like mental health or therapy or medication. Like sometimes you just need a little help and you can't do it on your own and that's fine. Exactly. And we have to normalize mental health, right? It's like, if you had diabetes, you wouldn't feel bad for taking insulin. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, this is what's keeping me alive. You're crazy for not taking it. Like, exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we do, we need to find that space where they can both coexist and and understand that it's necessary. Like you have to care for your mental health just as much as your physical health. Thank you so much for this conversation. I definitely, definitely appreciate it. But um, I'm not going to hold you any longer, but thank you you so much. It was so good to catch up and also nice just to like know like when you were like, me too. I was like, oh my God. Like I never, I was like, I never knew that. That's great, you know? I know, I know. I'm... I'm full of secrets. Let me tell you. <laughs> I've lived a few lives. It's right. been it's no, been a vibe. <laughs> it's been a wild journey. We're here. It has. It has been a wild journey, but definitely worth it. And there you have it, friends. Another episode of Trauma and Triumph. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. And if you're liking what you're hearing so far, feel free to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music. See you next week for another triumphant story.